1: is your reward. Medella the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois.
2: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. And always live on the free Odyssey app presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
3: I can't be picky. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't be picky. Uh, you know, I just need opportunity. Uh, you know, that's how I got that's how I got here off of one opportunity. So I just need an opportunity. I'm not picky. Uh, you know, I want to be uh, just around a great group of guys that I can learn from. Uh, be an organization that I can grow and, uh, you know, add, you know, add some more things to, to my toolbox for sure.
2: Former White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson is going to be looking for a new team. It is Chris Ranji filling in today. Bruce Levine on Inside the Clubhouse. It is good to have you with us this morning. It's a short show. We've, we are 29 minutes away right now from pregame. Ohio State-Michigan football is coming up right here on the score. It is a massive, massive game. And guests on the score hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Bruce?
4: The beat reporter for the Chicago White Sox for the Chicago Tribune, our friend Lamon Pope, nice enough to take some time out on a Saturday morning to join us on Inside the Clubhouse. And Lamon, first question out of the shoot, have the White Sox come close to replacing shortstop Tim Anderson with some of the moves that they've made here in the last 10 days?
3: it's been one of the things that they've wanted to focus on, right? Uh, Once they uh, decided to decline uh, Tim's club option for 2024, that opened up a lot of possibilities uh, for for things that they needed. You know, one of the things that they really stressed was wanting to get better uh, defensively overall, right? This is a team that I think finished uh, a lot in the the AL as far as errors. um, And so – getting the the situation where you add a Nicky Lopez, um, you know, who uh, only made two errors last season. You you, you add uh, uh, Paul DeYoung, who uh, was a uh, um, gold Gold glove finalist in, I think, 2019. And so you you start making those sort of moves um, and and you sort of figure out. Well, now you're in a a position where you at least have a little more infield depth.
2: Lamond, looking at the White Sox from, Uh, uh, my perspective it's first of all and I think I I, I'm sure you guys have talked about this a lot in my absence but it is stunning to me how quickly this went from team in a championship window for years to come to where they are now on the appearance of a retool or rebuild or whatever you want to call it so what are we calling it is is this (laughs) a rebuild for them or are they serious about actually trying to compete in 2024
3: yeah when well, we had a chance to talk to uh chris getz at the gm meetings you know he he mentioned that you know this is going to be a process right this is this is one thing where there's so many holes that this ball club had uh we, we you know Second base, shortstop, uh, right field, um, you have to figure out what you're going to do behind the plate. Obviously, uh, the rotation through the three of the five guys that started at the beginning of last year are no longer here. Uh, the bullpen, obviously, a lot of those back in arms are no longer here. And so there's so many areas for this ball club to attack this offseason, um, you know, getting all of those spots filled um this offseason, I think would be almost an impossible ask. Um, you know, they they do point out that this division um, obviously isn't the strongest division uh, in, in, in all baseball, but but it's a situation where this team has ho- so many holes to fill. You know, I, I think it would be a tough ask to go ahead and fulfill all those things and, and really be a true contender for 2024. Well, my yeah, hope
4: for the. Well, I'm, oh, sorry, of Bruce, a, uh, I'm sorry, Bruce. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Lamont Pope of the Tribune joining us uh, inside the clubhouse. He covers the Chicago White Sox for the Tribune. And Lamont, when you look at the Dylan C situation, he's going to be among the top two or three hottest names uh, as far as trades at the winter meetings. When you and I show up there on December third uh, to uh, to begin those meetings, so you and you and you and I are in. The rest of the front office are sitting in a meeting with um, with Chris so we'll, we'll let Ranji in the meeting, too. Okay? We're, <laughs> Thanks. We're sitting in there, and we're, we're, we're doing the plans on, on trading, cease, or keeping him. Two years of, of contract control at a very minimal amount of money for one of the top start, starting pitchers in the game. Uh, He can be a leader, a young leader for the young pitchers that you're bringing in if you hold on to him. He can also be something you can count on for victory day every five days when you pitch. Or he can bring you back two or three of someone else's top organization to play for the future. Uh, Knowing that it's Scott Boros, the agent, after two years, you don't give yourself a lot of chance to re-sign him. How does Lamont Pope play it? Yeah, I mean, it's a situation. You, you laid it out perfectly there,
3: Bruce. Um, it, it's one of those things where if you're going to make a move, now's the time to do it. Um, you know, the, the two years of control – uh, options there you, you know for for that's very attractive for a potential bidder um and so i think that his value on the trade market is at its highest right now um and you know if, if you wait into the deadline then then it becomes a little less and then if you wait until next year it becomes a little less as well and so i think if you're going to go ahead and make a move now is the time to do it and and the, the possibility you know, take a look at sort of like um you know, it's a little bit of a different situation because there were some non-tender sort of deadlines kind of involved with the with the bummer deal. Um, but but you know, the the fact that you were able to kind of get some sort of a, you know, a big haul in that in that sort of situation, um, and one thing that Chris said. With that trade was that you know they were more than just a left-handed relief pitcher away from from being a contender, and so you kind of take that sort of uh, logic when you when you think about uh, uh, Dylan here. It's like, well, you know, if 2024 is sort of that first step, and then what where are you going to be at in 2025? And so are you in a situation where? Where at the end of that year, uh, Dylan will be a free agent. Um, You're sort of weighing your options. So I think if the timing right now um, to get it done, if a deal's going to get done would be right now because you're going to kind of get the most out of a return in that sort of situation.
2: Do they treat Luis Robert different in this situation? Because, I mean, we're talking about two guys who are pretty close in age, you know, fairly similar in age. And if you're looking to be competitive, if not next year, the year after, the year after that, don't you I, – I almost feel like you need one or both of them to still be around. Otherwise, you are really starting over.
3: Yeah, Chris, I mean, I, I do look at that differently. I mean, I think Luis, you know, his situation, what the club still has – club options all the way out until 27 and so so he's still kind of controllable much more controllable from that standpoint um and one of the things you know they, they, they've stressed wanting to get better defensively and they've, they've stressed wanting to be a very athletic ball club right and, and you take a look defensively if you have center field locked down uh you know you want to obviously be the strongest at the middle and if you have center field already locked down uh, then that's a pretty good start um, and obviously the, the, the speed aspect, you know, just the overall tools that, that, that Luis has um, are, are really tough to replace. And so I think that, that's, a little, that's a different situation from Dylan's situation just uh, in the sense that you have so much more control uh, controllability with Luis, and you also have that option of you know, kind of extending him out where, where if you start sort of booming around him, then you kind of get, get in a position where you can kind of contend again.
4: Lamont, last year at this time, the Chicago White Sox hired Pedro Grafal to be their manager for what they felt was a championship-contending team. It turned out to be anything but that, and mostly the opposite. As a year later comes along, and you're looking at Pedro Grafal, you're now asking him to be a manager for a total rebuild team. Uh, What are your expectations? What should White Sox fans' expectations be of him now compared to when he was brought in to help them go and win a championship
3: yeah I mean you you want to see uh, those styles you know some of the things that they talked about as far as like the fundamentals right I mean that's one of the things that's been really lacking with this ball club uh, over the recent years you you want to see those strides you want to see this ball club play good clean baseball you know you know the, the wins uh they may or may not come um, but but it's a situation of where you can kind of see where this progress is being made on the ball on the ball club on the ball field day in and day out and so those are the steps uh that you can kind of that you want to kind of see from a ball club you know how are they prepared how are, how are they looking from that standpoint and then you kind of can read from there but yeah i mean it's a situation where it is a completely different operation from what uh, – with uh, Pedro walked on into. I mean, this this was a club that everyone expected to kind of contend uh, for the AL uh, Central title uh, this past season, and it, and it was an absolute disaster of a year. And so now you have a little bit of a rebuild. Now you have a situation where you're kind of uh, trying to look to see what what tools you have, what ball club you have, what players you have, and and it's this, this style of baseball that that Pedro wants the team to play. Uh, you know, much more. Uh, relying on speed, much more reliant on their athleticism, um, if that if that can kind of translate to, to having some sort of success and some sort of day-in and day-out uh, clean baseball that this ball club really needs to show.
2: Lamont Pope of the Chicago Tribune covers the White Sox, is with us on Inside the Clubhouse. And, you know, all of this stuff, talking about cleaning up the defense, and re- really this is stuff that, to me, is kind of on the margins. And you might be listening, thinking, well, how can you say defense is on the margins? And I, I say it because the the most important thing a team can do, I think, is be willing to extend themselves in free agency and be willing to spend money. That's the that's the best way to get better. You also can and should and need to draft and develop well. you got to do those two things very, very well. Do we have any sense of, If this team is looking to be good in the next couple of years and looking to compete in a division where teams don't really spend a whole lot of money, I mean, the Tigers might, but um, historically teams in this division don't overextend themselves financially. Will the White Sox be willing to do that in the next couple of years? Because I think Sox fans look at the situation and they see that they have been willing to do it to a point, but then they stop short of where they need to be. Is there going to be a time where they blow past that point?
3: Boy, Chris, I mean, I think it's one of those situations where years, you know, obviously this year I would say most of their moves are going to probably come via trades, you know, obviously there's going to be some signings, but, you know, nothing that's going to uh, blow fans out of the water, I would say. Um, And then then it kind of goes like, well, where's this ball club at in 2025? You know, what kind of position are they in? You know, um, where do they feel that this division's at? Um, I think, you know, for the short term, um, I I don't know if I see that happening. Um, But then you kind of play it on out and see where this ball club is, Kind of down the line, and you can't kind of go from there. But but yeah, I I I don't really see that sort of happening from from that standpoint here in the short term.
4: Lamani, in closing with you and Chris, and I appreciate your time today. When you look at how the White Sox were run from a beat reporter's point of view and communication with Rick Hahn and with Ken Williams prior to Chris Getz, what differences do you see as a reporter? and how you're able to do your job with Chris Getz now as the general manager.
3: Uh, I think that pretty much it's it's been pretty similar as far as you know. Uh, whenever um, you know, i I had a question, whenever I had a question for for uh, Rick Hahn, you know, I would be able to to get in touch with them. Whenever I've had a question for for Chris, I've been able to get in touch with them. And so, so from a from an operational standpoint, um, from that standpoint, um, you know, it's been pretty similar. But I think it's you know the the one thing that they stressed uh, when they made the decision to go um in in another direction was just having that one voice uh you know having that one person that you as that as that uh person that you knew was making those decisions making those calls and so you know that, that you know there, there there hasn't been one of those situations where it's like well is, is this a, a record Kenny kind of situation it's, it's been a thing where you know that uh with all these calls it's been it's been christened so that's you know that's the one thing that uh you know there's a little bit more clarity from that standpoint
2: Lamont, a week from tomorrow morning.
4: Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris.
2: No, nah, that's okay, Bruce. I want you to do it.
4: <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, <laughs> we're not in the same room eyes. if you can't tell. Why, we're, why, we're did, just... why did you roll your eyes? Lamont, <laughs> thank you so much. A week from tomorrow, I'll see you at the uh, United Terminal as we uh, head out to the uh, winter <laughs> meetings for uh, Nashville, which should be a pretty busy time for uh, Mr. Goetz and the, and the Chicago White Sox. Thanks so much for taking some time out in. Uh, putting up with uh, Chris, with uh, Chris Ranzi Ranzi just like I did I appreciate What, it. what in the world?
3: <laughs> Thanks guys anytime.
2: <laughs> All right. <laughs> hey Bruce this is a this is a treat for you. What's been happening this morning? This is Only a treat. Only for
4: another uh, 12 minutes.
2: 12 minutes <laughs> that's fine. Yeah because we've got Ohio <laughs> State Ohio State and uh, Michigan football coming up at the bottom of the hour. 10:30 is the pregame, and then 11 o'clock is the kick. So that's a. It's
4: Did a you think game. I was going to go through a whole show without uh, taking some shots at you? No, I mean, man. That's not what we do.
2: No, no it's, I, it's I been c- so I long. That we,
4: the, I know it, it's, and it, and it's always enjoyable because, uh, as much as uh, we tease each other, we really hate each other's guts. No, I'm just <laughs> kidding. We're, 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 we're good friends, and and we. And, and, the last few minutes here, Chris, uh, I'd like to talk about um, the, the Chicago Cubs and the Japanese pitching market. Mm-hmm. Uh, right-handed pitcher named Yamamoto uh, is going to be uh, the highest paid Japanese pitcher in Major League history by the time the winter meetings end. There are 10 teams out there that are bidding for his services, he has won the Sawamura Award, which is comparable to the Cy Young Award here in the United States. The Sawamura Award in Japan is the Cy Young Award. He's won that three times in a row in Japan. Uh, he had an ERA this year of 1.41, uh, collectively over the last three years, of about 122. They're saying pretty much that. He's a top of the rotation one or two guy, even at the major league level. Your thoughts about uh, him and uh, the Chicago Cubs or other markets right now?
2: Well, I think he would be, again, it's it's always difficult to tell how that's going to translate um, if you get to the major leagues. But there is a long list of Japanese pitchers that have come in and have had pretty good success right away. Um, I can't imagine he would be any different. It might take him a little bit of time to become a true ace at the MLB level, but he, I, I would be surprised if he doesn't come in uh, to this league and is pretty good right away. Like I said, may not be a number one, I, I suppose he could be a number one for a lot of different teams, but he may not be that true ace type because a lot of people talk about, his stuff and how ridiculous it is in the curve ball. And I know it gets compared to Clayton Kershaw's curve ball just because of the break. Um, and, and I don't know if it will be as effective in the major leagues, but it could be really effective. I think he's going to probably rely on that slider a lot to get swings and misses to get strikeouts when he gets here. I think he's going to be good, you know, and it, again, it's difficult to tell. You don't know for sure until they actually get here. But if he's missing bats, which I expect him to do it, and they'll probably work with him on that too, there's no reason he can't contribute right away. And I think that if they do it, they're going to have to put up the posting fee. So that's going to increase you know, their, their overall financial commitment. So it's going to be a lot of money. I, I, I don't think it would be money poorly spent um if, if they're able to do that it, it would be good for them you know you get a couple of names in here you get him maybe you get Shohei Otani who again a lot of people think the Dodgers are the number one destination for him there are other suitors beyond the Cubs the Braves being one of them I mentioned the Red Sox earlier so there are other teams that have some interest in Shohei Otani but if you're to if you're able to do that that is an unbelievable off season for the Cubs if you get both of those guys, I mean, hell, if you get one of them, it's a good off-season.
4: Well, you know, uh, one might bring the other, uh, as you're talking. It's about. Possible. Uh, we we talked about we talked about being proactive on both. Uh, why not at this point? Yamamoto is uh, compared to uh, Tanaka, who pitched for the Yankees yeah. so well for six years and uh, made the most money up to this point. I think it was about a hundred and. 44 million dollar contract for seven years at that time so with that in mind they're talking seven eight years at 30 million dollars uh so you're hoping that he's very good from the beginning the only the only worry that some people have is the fact that he's not a big guy but um he's 510 right yeah but you know pedro martinez comes to mind uh wasn't a very big guy won a couple hundred games one some uh, like four Cy Youngs, I believe. So uh, I'm not worried about a guy that throws 98 with a nasty splitter and a, and three other pitches that are not very hittable. Uh, I'm hoping the Chicago Cubs are in on that as well. and I think they, from all indications, that uh, from what I've uh, talked to other people about, they they are, Jed Hoyer in July went over to Japan to see some of these Japanese pitchers that are going to be available here. Um, in uh, free agency after they post, and Yamamoto is certainly someone that they are looking at.
2: Well, let me and, and let me say this big picture wise, Bruce. Um, the Cubs have an opportunity here, and I I know the Reds have improved. They they've they've gotten better, and they probably will get incrementally better here. The Brewers are, you know, they're they they kind of hang around, um, but the Cubs are the one team in the division that has the ability to financially commit unlike the others. I would expect the Cardinals, and I, I look, I'm, I'm in St. Louis right now, and I'm uh, working for the Cardinals' flagship station. I will tell you right now that I am still extremely skeptical, even after the signing of Lance Lynn and Kyle Gibson, which are innings-eating pitchers. I'm extremely hope. skeptical they're going to be competitive next year. I, I just am. I'm They might be. I'm sure things can break their way. But the Cubs have a real opportunity here. If they financially commit to players like we've been talking about today to not just be competitive in the division, but to kind of own the division for the next several years. they got a real opportunity here. I, it, the, the days of uh, St. Louis just sort of – managing to always be at the top of the division. You know, even though you, you look at the roster and wonder, how is this team doing this? I think those days are gone. It's possible they come back uh, sometime soon, but I think it's going to be a while. I think they're going to struggle to get back to being competitive, despite the fact they have Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado in the divi- or on their roster. Those guys are getting older. You know, this is... I, I think it's going to be more difficult for the Cardinals than a lot of other people believe.
4: Well, with the the Brewer situation with Woodruff Woodruff and Burns, uh, you know, one's not going to pitch. The other is going to be probably traded. I agree with you that the Brewers might be looking at some tougher times. I don't discount the fact they have a very good farm system, a very good system altogether. And regardless of whether uh, uh, they have counsel there or not, there's still something someone you can't ignore. But I, I believe Cincinnati and the Cubs—it's—it's it's their time in the division right now. Yeah. Cincinnati has built, built up a really strong farm system. Uh, they probably will spend a little bit money here uh, in the offseason, too to augment all that. I, I do not—I'm not one of those people, Chris, that believes that uh, free agency is the way to winning championships. However, when you can get uh, teams,
2: Texas Rangers,
4: to, well. It didn't work out very much in that first year, did it? Uh, Not did did this year. <laughs> it it did this year, but it, they had yeah. to go and spend more, even a hundred and uh, uh, a couple hundred million dollars in a pitcher that didn't even pitch. Okay, the entire season. So with that in mind, we'll 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 keep talking about this and in inside the clubhouse. But Ohio State and Michigan are next. We have people to thank, Chris, including you for stepping in here. Sean Sears, great job producing the show. As well today. We thank you, our great baseball fans. We'll be back 9 to 11 next week. People can follow me on Twitter, MLB Bruce Levine, on our website, 670thescore.com. Lamon Pope, Pat Hughes, thank you so much. Chris, enjoy St. Louis. Thank you for stepping in. Ohio State and Michigan next on the score.